Welcome to In the Pocket Across the Pond, a UK-based NFL fantasy football podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm Lewis. I'm Alex Brindle. And I'm Alex Sharples. This is a podcast for UK viewers of the NFL, UK players of NFL fantasy. If you just want to hear a nice, familiar voice talk about the sport, talk about fantasy football, give you our takes as people who are not experts, but who love the sport and who love playing fantasy and who know what it's like just get coming into it at a later stage and easing into it, I would say. Nice one, Al. Um, we'll get right into it. This week, we're going to be looking at the off-season moves that have happened uh, over the summer. Uh, we're going to be talking to you about our fantasy MVPs, the guys we think are going to win our leagues. Uh, the players to start this week in week one. We'll also look at a preview of what games we're looking forward to this week and when they're on. Um, and our Super Bowl predictions as well, who we think who we think's going to win the Super Bowl or get to the Super Bowl. But we'll kick it off with the off-season moves. I'll run through them really fast, lads, and um, and then we can sort of talk about which ones we like after it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so player-wise, notable quarterbacks, you had Russell Wilson moving to Denver. Let's ride. Um, Matt Ryan, long-time Falcons quarterback, moved to Indianapolis. Carson Wentz to the Commanders. Baker Mayfield to Carolina, and he's now the starter. Wide receivers Tyreek Hill to the Miami Dolphins. Devontae Adams to the Raiders. Got an absolute bag as well. Good for the lad. Uh, AJ Brown to the Philadelphia Eagles. Alan Robinson has gone from the Burrs to the Rams. And Juju Smith-Schuster is now with the Chiefs. And running backs, the main notable ones are two Miami pickups, Chase Edmonds and Raheem Mostert. Any of them interest you, lads? Well, obviously, uh, the Wilson and the Ryan ones, they're moving to teams who you'd expect to be ready to win now. That's why they've made those moves. Um, Not got a lot of faith in the Tyreek Hill one myself. I don't really love Tua, so that's kind of... I'm down on Tyreek Hill and the Smith-Schuster one. There's so many new additions to that Kansas City wide receiver room that... Smith Schuster's the biggest name, but whether he's going to be the one with the biggest impact, I'm not too sure. What about you, Sharples? Um, I think the the most interesting one for me, uh, you touched on it, is is Tyreek Hill. Um, I think it's the hardest one to predict because I mean we we all know what Tyreek Hill is. He's an absolute monster. Um, he should have a large target share. Uh, he isn't competing with Travis Kelsey anymore, although obviously he's got Jalen Waddle to think about, uh, and he's still in his prime, but. I think the big thing for me, passing-wise, is he's moving from... Well, I was going to say he's gone from a steak to a burger, but to be honest, it's more like a steak to a nut cutlet. I mean, two is yet to play a full season, but in two seasons, he's averaging just over a touchdown a game. His yardage extrapolates to, like, 3,000 a year, and when you compare it to Mahomes, well, I mean, that's the thing. There, there, there isn't a comparison. Um, and so I think not only are his, num- his numbers going to suffer, but then... Uh, you know, does he, does frustration start to set in? Does he start thinking, oh, I didn't have it, you know, I didn't have it as good as I used to be? And, and I think for me, it's a potential to be a, quite a combustible situation. Um, although that being said, I think the weather, Miami and no state income tax will probably soften the blow. Yeah, and I find it funny that Tyreek Hill's preaching about accuracy with Tua 
like you have to be the most ac- accurate quarterback in the world if you're throwing it 60 yards in the air for Tyreek Hill just to run anywhere and catch. It's so It's a great yeah. point. I mean, I'm all for gassing up you guys, but that was ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, I mean, he's an incredible teammate, obviously, Tyreek Hill. You know, he's willing... He's willing to put himself out there and say that Tua is better than Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, but, I'm not. I'm not as brave. Yeah, but, yeah. He's putting putting himself out there. Just, just blatant lying. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's the players. I mean, you know, the ones we didn't mention. Sharples, just give me a noise. Give me a noise reaction to this. Carson Wentz to the Washington Commanders. Oh, I mean, I, nice. to be honest, I, I, I'm. <laughs> I feel bad that you've got me started on him because Carson Wentz, that, that, I think that move is notable for being the most unnotable and unnoteworthy season, move of the offseason. I mean, the, you, you know what's going to happen. I, and, I mean, I'm not one for big, bold predictions that you can come back to in, in a few weeks' time and just say, oh, yeah, look how, look how wrong you were. But they're going to finish 7-10. Seven seven and ten. He'll throw 20-something touchdowns, maybe 3,500 yards, and absolutely nothing will change. I mean, to me, the, you know, Kenny Pickett was on the board when they were drafting. They had two bites of the apple with Malik Willis. Why not take a punt on one of them and just see if one moves the needle? Instead, they settle for another year of mediocrity. They're wasting another year of Chase's of Chase Young's life. Um, and yeah, uh, sorry, I got started on that one, but that one that one just annoys me. Sorry, right, a bit more than annoys, but that's absolutely fine. Al, give us a noise on Juju Smith-Schuster to the Chiefs. Um... That's good. That's all we wanted. Um, <laughs> Coaches, coaches, 10 coaching changes. Chicago Bears have hired Matt Eberflus, who was the Colts DC defensive coordinator. Broncos have hired Nathaniel Hackett, the Green Bay Packers offensive coordinator. Uh, The Jags hired Doug Peterson, former Super Bowl winning coach of the Eagles. Uh, He's just been chilling for a couple of years. Um, Raiders have hired Josh McDaniels, uh, New England Patriots offensive coordinator for years and years. The Dolphins hire Mike McDaniel um, from San Francisco, the the run game guy. Um, Minnesota have hired Kevin O'Connell, the Rams OC, Super Bowl winning Rams OC from last year. New York Giants have hired Brian Dayball from the Bills. The Texans promoted um, defensive coordinator Lovey Smith and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers promoted Todd Bowles. And the Saints also promoted their defensive coordinator, Dennis Allen. Um, a couple of these stick out to me. The Broncos hiring Nathaniel Hackett, purely because I already love Russell Wilson this year. Um, I firmly believe that they've given him the keys to the offense because why else would he go there? More than just the Broncos will have been after Russell Wilson, but they paid him a load of money and they basically said, it's your offense now. And they paired Wilson with a guy who pretty much helped facilitate the past two MVP seasons for Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it's a it's a perfect situation to me. Um, I also like Doug Peterson uh, to the Jags. I think that will provide him with a lot of stability that they haven't had yeah, last I, year. I was going to just chime in on the, the Doug Peterson one. I think he's a really good coach, and there's kind of uh, hope in the fact that he did wait for a job with the jobs that have been around the sheer amount of jobs that have been around in the NFL uh, the head coaching position over the past few years I struggle to believe that Doug Peterson didn't get a bunch of interest because he's a really good coach so the fact that he waited and chose this one it kind of reminds me a little bit just to give it like a an English football a, a Premier League a soccer 
twist. It's like what Eddie Howe did. Eddie Howe, great manager, spent a few years out of football until he found the right opportunity in Newcastle and he's doing really well. Reminds me a lot of this Doug Peterson one. Feels like he's going to, as you say, give him a bit of stability. But I mean, as long as he doesn't go clubbing in Ohio after a, lo- after a loss, then it'll be uh, an improvement on the last guy. Yes. <laughs> um, and then the last one I just sort of wanted to highlight was Brian Dayball. Uh, former Bills offensive coordinator now with the Giants because I, I absolutely loved this move when it first happened but I've soured on it as the off season's gone on because I think it's just really really incredibly hit or miss I mean you had an unbelievably high powered offense with the Bills so it's like obviously let's get that guy in let's let's take his philosophy from that offense and implant it in ours but New York just lacks the talent that he had in Buffalo. I mean, you know, throwing and receiving the ball. In short, Daniel Jones isn't Josh Allen. So I don't know how... I don't know how his philosophy is going to translate to New York. I just... I'm worried about that one. But, you know, what about you, Sharples? Any of these stick out to you? I mean, I definitely echo the the Doug Peterson uh, interest. I think if, uh, if someone to unlock the potential of Trevor Lawrence, who was obviously hailed as this prodigal son, I think is very interesting. I think they've got some good pieces there. But to me, the most interesting one, I think, is Kevin O'Connell um, coming into the Vikings from the Rams, purely because, to me, that, that Rams offense, is, uh, sorry, the Vikings offense, is just waiting to be unlocked. I mean, they've got some great pieces. They've got, obviously, Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, I don't think this is the year that Adam Thielen drops off um, and Kirk Cousins is a good, steady quarterback who can throw touchdowns. So I think someone coming in there was the old offensive coordinator, someone in there who can get things ticking over, I think could make the Vikings a force. I, as I will come to share later on with a bit of a hot take, I also think the Vikings will be very good this year. Okay, well. Um, I'd, I'd just like to raise one thing. Um, it's just going back a little bit. Um, but just in terms of, um, Al, I think you mentioned there's two new two new quarterback additions. Obviously, we're not talking about Carson Wentz. Russell Wilson to the, um, to the Broncos and Matt Ryan to Indiana. In the opinion yeah. of, of you two, who, who moves the needle more? Um, well, uh... well, Russell Wilson is the better quarterback at the minute. You know, Matt Ryan is in the twilight of his career. Russell Wilson's probably still in his prime. I think... Denver have got a better roster in general. Um, I think maybe Indianapolis Colts have got a bit more of an established coaching staff. Well, they have got a more established coaching staff there. I think they both make the teams a lot better. I think Matt Ryan's been seriously underrated as like a a real-life NFL quarterback. I don't think as bad as the Falcons have been over the past few years... I don't uh, think much of it is down to Matt Ryan. I've never watched them and thought, "Oh, this guy's washed. He's rubbish now." But Russell, he's not the he's not the explosive game changer that Russell Wilson is. I know Matt Ryan won an MVP a few years ago, but I think Russell Wilson will probably go down as the better quarterback when it's all said and done. Yeah, I. It's a tough one that because Russell Wilson is the better player. He'll probably move the needle more for Denver. But with Matt Ryan, I I personally think that Indianapolis are out of those two two teams, the team that is more ready to win. I think that they've been on the precipice for a few years and they just haven't been able they haven't been able to sort it out at quarterback really. You had a you had Philip Rivers the other year who was great great quarterback, but 
at the end of his career. You had Carson Wentz last year who tried his tried his damnedest to lose games. <laughs> um, and uh, and but I think the defense is better. I think they've got Jonathan Taylor. That's all I need to say. They've got Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, but um, in terms of which quarterback moves the needle more, it's probably Wilson. It's probably Wilson. Yeah. Okay. We'll take Wilson there. Now let's move on to our fantasy MVPs. These are the guys this year who we think can win you a fantasy league. Um, not necessarily the guys who are going to score the most points overall, but the guys we think, according to where they were drafted, will be the most valuable players for your teams this year. Uh, Sharples, kick us off. Who's your MVP? Okay, I'm going to ruffle some feathers here, boys, because I know your feelings on this man. But my MVP this year is Kyler Murray. Okay. Hmm. I think I think people are low on him because of his off-season antics, and I understand that. I think the whole contract saga was ridiculous. I don't actually believe the extension was warranted given his production and playoff performance, but that's real life, and this is fantasy. In fantasy, he was a quarterback 10 last year, despite missing three and a half games because he got injured in the Packers game in Week 8. Going into Week 8, he was a quarterback 2 behind only Jalen Hurts, and that was only by two points. But... Hurts finishes a quarterback nine at the end of the year, despite playing two more games than Kyler Murray. If Kyler had kept up his average over the full season, he'd have finished with 400 points, which is, okay, maybe not realistic to say, but that is insane. On average, this year, he's going in the sixth round, behind the likes of Lamar, Herbert, and Hurts. I even got him in the eighth round in one draft, which I think is ridiculous. For me, he should be one of the first three quarterbacks off the board in fantasy drafts. He is one of a handful of guys with the potential to lead um, to, to be... I'm going to start that bit again. He's one of a handful of guys who can finish as the quarterback one. There's obviously more risk with him than someone like Josh Allen, but when you're getting him four, five rounds later and he could still end up as the quarterback one, personally, I think that's ridiculous value. I'm going to hit you with some stats too to back it up. Done my research. Go on, do it. Over, the last, it. Three, over the last three years... He's third among quarterbacks in carries. He's second in rushing yards and second in rushing touchdowns. He's improved his completion rate, his yards per attempt, and his passer rating in each of his three seasons. I think that's the four hours of study time a week kicking in. He's without, <laughs> <laughs> he's without Hopkins for the first six games, but Murray and Brown played together at Oklahoma in 2017 and 2018, and in those years, Brown posted... 57 for 1,095 and seven touchdowns in his first year. And his second year, 75 receptions for 1,318 yards and 10 touchdowns. I understand this is not college ball, but if you look at how Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase have translated into the NFL, I think that's a pretty good comparison. So to me, if you can get two top-tier running backs with your first two picks, three great wide receivers, and then top it off with Murray in the sixth, that is an unbelievable start to the draft. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I I love Hollywood Brown, and I'm going to mention him possibly later on as well. Just depends where he can catch the ball this year, I suppose, is what I'd say there. And he did, he Kyle did have Murray. he did have butter on his gloves last year. Yes, <clears throat> he did. He did. Mm-hmm. And and the the only thing is, I like Kyle Murray a lot as well. I was really high on him in his second year in the league, and he was great for fantasy. All I would say is him and that team in general completely fall off after week 11 every single year. Mm-hmm. So just be wary 
I don't think Cliff Kingsbury is an amazing coach, but he does facilitate this air raid offense where Murray is just slinging it all over the place. So I don't want to criticize him too much, I suppose, in turn because we're not at the end of the day we're not bothered about the Cardinals winning games. We're on about Kyler Murray scoring fantasy points. So. Yeah, mm, yeah. I Murray's a quarterback who I've been rising on as the off season has progressed, just because I, I mean, especially if you're in a league that is six points per passing touchdown for quarterbacks um, because, I mean, I'd, I'd been drafting Hurts above him for that rushing upside, but Murray is is going to throw more passing touchdowns than Hurts, I think. Uh, he's, he is a bit more of your traditional pocket passer than a guy like Hurts. So I have been rising on him, and I, I am starting to see what you're saying, Sharp, as a six-round value for Kyler Murray, who last year, the year before, was going in the second round it's incredible and he hasn't apart from being injured he hasn't really done anything to sort of deserve that downgrade in fantasy drafts that, I don't think that's my big thing I don't think his, his play on the field is warranted that I think it's all the extracurricular activities and yeah he seems like a petulant little man child but the fact is he can throw the ball far and he can also you know run so for me in, yeah, in the six he's an absolute steal and I think the reason I value him higher than Jalen Hurts although Hurts definitely has wheels um, is just the fact that Philadelphia themselves still don't seem fully set on him. And I kind of feel like if they have a few bad games, I believe um, Gardner Minshew is the backup there. And he's oh, he's, yes. he's quite good. He's quite Love a good him. backup. And I kind of Very think that if, if the team isn't fully set on him and Philly maybe don't start as well or they, they slump a bit, I think you could very easily see him swapped out. Whereas Kyler Murray, they've just paid him. He's the man. And that is why I think he should be ahead of Jalen Hurts. Okay. Thanks cool. for that, Sharples. Um I'll let you know my fantasy MVP now. It's Colton Sutton, wide receiver for the Denver Broncos. Absolutely loving this year. I've got him in every one of my leagues. He's going into his fifth year in the league and now firmly has the best quarterback he's ever played with, easily. And as I said before with the Nathaniel Hackett comments, Russell, it's it's Russell Wilson's offense. Um, he's going to be cooking up. It's, it's truly Chef Russ time in Denver. Um, they're gonna they're gonna let him run the offense. They're gonna let Russell Wilson win the games for him, and I believe that Sutton is gonna be the number one receiver for him. I mean, I've heard the buzz coming out of camp. Obviously, some of it, some of it's a bit fluff, but I believe I believe these fluff pieces basically coming out of camp because with Sutton we've seen him be elite before, whereas with Jerry Judy, who is the number two wide receiver on that team. We've not seen him be elite yet, and he's been in the league for two years. Whereas Sutton, Techie's 2019 season, his second year in the league, finished wide receiver 19, and that was with that that was with an amalgamation of Joe Flacco, Drew Locke, and Brandon Allen at quarterback. You know, I mean, and he still finished the wide receiver 19. That speaks to the talent that Sutton has. Uh, now he has Wilson who's a quarterback who's consistently supported top 20 wide receivers, whether it's Metcalf or Lockett or Doug Baldwin a few years back. Ru Russell Wilson is just fantasy goodness for wide receivers. And look at the division that they're playing in. They, they, they get to play the Chargers, the Chiefs and the Raiders twice a season. Try and predict the final standings of those four teams in that division by the end of the year. I, I don't think you can. All those teams project to be really good. There's going to be so many high-scoring games, which means plenty of shootouts, which means you want players in this division. Um, 
And aside from all those incredibly valid points, I think, Colton Sutton's just an elite, elite player. Uh, he's six foot four, so he's massive. He's a really good downfield threat. Uh, and he's another year removed from an ACL tour. And studies show that first year back from an ACL tour, your production drops off a bit. Second year back is when you're more when you're more likely to be back to 100%. Uh, which, you know, his ACL tour as well could be partly to blame for his underwhelming season last year and, once again, atrocious quarterback play in Denver. Um, I, I love Sutton in any format league, whether it be PPR, high PPR or standard. I think he's going to be great yards-wise, receptions-wise, and especially touchdowns-wise. I honestly, I don't know whether I've taught myself too much into Colton Sutton because I, I I, can't see a world anymore where he isn't incredible for fantasy and in the real NFL. I think like his ceiling for me is a top five wide receiver um, and maybe wide receiver one. Is that too much? Yes, that's, that <laughs> is too much. Yeah, thoughts? Yes. <laughs> thoughts? Uh, yeah, I like Sutton a lot. I have, in the leagues where I've got one of the two, I've normally got, Colton Sutton in one league I was fortunate enough to have him and Judy so I'm just going to chill and wait to see which one comes out on top but I am starting Sutton week one so yeah. Greg Sharples any 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 love for Sutton? No I, I agree um, um, I I wasn't actually following the NFL when he had his big breakout year but I've heard it was tremendous uh, he's a big physical Big physical guy, um, so not too dissimilar from Metcalf, and obviously we've seen what he's done with Russell Wilson over the past. Um, yeah, obviously the you know the the fly in the ointment is is Jerry Judy. Um, personally, I do think that that Sutton Sutton will beat him out for the wide receiver one slot, but you know um, if there are any, and, and, you know not even the ACL tear, but you know any lingering injuries, and suddenly Judy comes in for a couple of games and does well, you know does that take a bit of shine off him? Um, but no, I'm in, I'm in full support of Cortland Sutton, and I believe you're getting him in what in the fifth. Yeah, he, he's ADP's fifth round. I've been a bit bullish on him and picking him up in the fourth in literally all of my drafts, just because you got to plant your flag, you got to get your guys. But yeah, ADP is the fifth round, which I think is a value because I feel like fifth round. What's that about wide receiver twenty to twenty five? That's that's his floor to me, really. Yeah. Um, it do, it does just raise one question for me, Lewis, because I know there is a certain other man that uh, turns your head this season, but he seems to have gone off the boil a bit. Cortland Sutton or Michael Pittman? That's really <laughs> see ADP wise, you're taking Sutton every day because Pittman has been rising and he's he's like he's like wide receiver 13, 14 now, whereas Sutton's going ten picks, ten wide receivers later, and I feel like. He could easily eclipse him. Yeah, I, um, I found myself picking a running back over Michael Pittman, waiting for Sutton purely because that it's just a bit scurry where Michael Pittman is being drafted at the minute. Still love Pittman though. Still love him. Um, I'll give us your MVP. Well, speaking of someone who broke out a few years ago, my fantasy MVP is Chris Godwin. Godwin coming off the torn ACL and sprained MCL that he suffered in week 15 against the Saints last December. Scurry stuff, but he's looking great. He's been practicing without a knee brace recently as well. And the thing is, I've been picking up Godwin in the sixth round of every single draft that I've done, which is crazy to me. He's going on average as the wide receiver 25, 60th overall on average in drafts. 
and ranking wise ESPN has him ranked a little higher overall but still as wide receiver 26 and coming into the season I'm often seeing him slip into the 30s of wide receivers too which is madness absolute madness for Chris Godwin in a 10 or 12 team league if you draft him in the 6th round you're getting a wide receiver 1 where everyone else is drafting a wide receiver 3 there's no way, no way, I'm telling you right now, no way Chris Godwin finishes the season lower than wide receiver 20, and that's even if he misses weeks one and two, and he might still play in week one. He's 26 years old. Last season, he was great. He was the wide receiver 17, and he only played 14 games. When he plays, it's rare that he dips below 90% of the offensive snaps, so he's always on the field. And... The thing about Chris Godwin is, I don't think we've seen his ceiling yet. 2019, when you had James Winston as the quarterback, he was a wide receiver two on the season, and he missed a couple of games that season as well. But he had 86 receptions from 120 targets and nine touchdowns. There's no reason why he couldn't have the exact same targets yet, this time catch 100 of them and push those touchdowns up to something like 12, something around that number. In fact, last year... Again, through 14 games, he had 128 targets and 98 catches. So that catch percentage actually went up last year, of course, as you'd assume it would with Brady, but only five touchdowns. So you'd bank on that coming up as well. And last year, he kind of went under the radar a bit, especially because he got injured towards the end of the year. But it wasn't too dissimilar to that big breakout wide receiver two season the Buccaneers need Chris Godwin this year. Brady's back. He's going to throw 40 touchdowns. Gronk isn't going to take a chunk of those. Julio Jones is going to do nothing. Stop believing in that one. He's, he's he's washed. So this is between Godwin and Evans, and you can get Godwin so much cheaper than you can get Evans. I really like Mike Evans, but Godwin is going for so much cheaper in the drafts. Clearly, given his ADP, this offseason, people were hesitant to pick him up. But remember, the books just gave him a three-year, $60 million deal. So don't worry about him because the team isn't worrying about him. He's great this year, especially in a PPR league. He's a machine. I have him in all my leagues because he's the biggest bargain of the draft. The lads, name me a better bargain in any draft than Chris Godwin this year that you have picked up. LaMichael P. Ryan last year. <laughs> <laughs> um, the only thing with Godwin for me is similar to the one of the points I made in Cortland Sutton's uh, in favour of Cortland Sutton is that statistically year after an ACL tear your production does dip. Not saying he's going to be awful, but maybe might not have the ceiling that you you want him to have. But then again, he could because he's Chris Godwin and he's great. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm only going to have to play devil's advocate here because in reality, I, I do really like. Chris Godwin, um, really like the talent. Um, but yeah, to play devil's advocate, I do think there are a lot of mouths to feed in that offense. There's certainly a lot of ball to go around, but you know, there's Mike Evans, there's Julio Jones, who, while he might not be the Julio of old, he's still going to probably be demanding a reasonable amount of targets. Um, there's Russell Gage in there. Um, I wouldn't rule out... Don't talk to me about Russell Gage demanding any targets. <laughs> well, but he's still, you know, he's still a body. <laughs> Uh, and I, to be fair, I wouldn't totally rule out not only Gronk coming back, but Julian Edelman somehow coming out of retirement yeah, and getting on that team. They're not um, coming back. <laughs> but um, yeah, and then also, uh, you know, there's obviously been the slight issues with Tom Brady. I'm not in, 
entirely certain what's going on with that. But yeah, that's me just playing devil's advocate. Um, I do like yeah, Chris Godwin. I would agree that I don't love the Brady off-season stuff with the retirement and the non-retirement and him not really seeming focused and missing a lot of off-season. However, I'm not in the business of betting against Tom Brady, so I think he will be fine. That's a very, very wise move. True. And Tom Brady, just a quick note on him, uh, he needed that time off to do the Masked Singer. All right. Oh, so, yeah. Come on. There's more important <laughs> things than the NFL. Right, let's move on to who we think we should be starting this week in week one. Running backs first. Sharples, give us yours. Okay, well, I'm going to be a bit on the nose on this one. Um, my running back for this week is Jonathan Taylor. Um, no, I don't, no, yeah, no. Yeah, Oh, lad. Yeah, I mean, that, that is brave. That <laughs> is brave. Listen, listen. And, you know, I know it's not an exciting one. I know it's not an out there take, but I just I, I couldn't pass him over. Um, 140 plus yards in each game against Texans last year two touchdowns in both 28.8 points and 24.3 points respectively absolute certainty in week one bar an injury if you're against him in fantasy all I can say is I'm sorry are any of okay. us against him in week one in fantasy not in maybe. our league but I am in another league and not I'm in not in okay. I have him in another league well so. thanks that Sharples I mean just so everybody knows we're planning on doing this podcast once a week uh, for this season. So, what about 18, eight, 18 weeks, including 18, uh, 18 regular season weeks? So, and I promise you, there will not be a colder take than that one just yeah, then. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know who you need to convince to start Jonathan Taylor. I, I just, it wasn't about convincing. I just felt like I couldn't pass this week without just just saying what a monster he's going win. to be. Uh, yeah, an easy okay. win. Starting okay. off, nice, Jonathan yeah. Taylor. Okay. Okay, 25 yards, zero touchdown. I'm calling it now. <laughs> uh, I'll go with Nick Chubb, Cleveland Browns versus Carolina. Um, I think the Browns, while they're waiting for Deshaun Watson to come back, they're just going to try their best not to lose games. They're going to try and contain them. They're going to lean on the running game because Nick Chubb is the best player. It's pretty low under over-under in this game, but I think there's potential for it to hit the over because it's Baker Mayfield and it's that revenge game. And I'm all into that narrative for this game. And you know that the Browns with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback, they're not winning it through the air. Uh, I think Chubb sees a lot of work in this game in a bit of a bit of a duel with Christian McCaffrey on the other side. So all about Chubb this week for me at running back. Okay, yeah, cool. I'm going Javante Williams of the Denver Broncos. I have a lot of Javante Williams in my teams this year. I love him. I think he's going to be great. I think he's going to break out 900 yards, four touchdowns last season, and he was the secondary running back behind Melvin Gordon. He's the guy this year, even Melvin Gordon knows that. Very nice matchup to kick off the season with the Seahawks because they are going to be really bad. And Denver and Russell Wilson are going to score a lot of points in this game. Williams is young, he's explosive, he's the best running back on the team. I think he scores at least a touchdown in this game. We see how bad the Seahawks are going to be and they're going to be a target for the rest of the season with your offensive players because of this game. So put Javante Williams in there, please. Sharples, give us your wide receiver. Wide receiver, okay. It's going to be uh, Gabriel Davis uh, of the Buffalo Bills, but by a distraction. I would imagine that Jalen Ramsey is going to be occupied with Stefan Diggs, who incidentally has an absolutely abysmal, an absolutely abysmal record against him. Can you can you guess, boys? Right, in two games, when Ramsey's been uh, covering gig, uh, Diggs, 
uh, what what Diggs' stat line is in terms of targets, reception, yards. I bet he has five receptions for fifty-seven yards. Anyone else? I think. I think. Um, how many games is this? Two so, games. Two. Two games. I think he has three receptions for. I'm going three, 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 three for thirty-three and hmm. zero tutties. In zero two games, tutties. he has four targets. Two receptions for nine yards, but okay. <laughs> but with a touchdown to be fair. But still, I thought that was outrageous. Okay. I also think yeah. the middle being patrolled by the newly signed Mr. Robert Wagner will limit Dawson Knox in the middle, and so I think that's going to leave a little bit of room for Cheeky Gabe Davis to see an increased workload. Cheeky Gabe, yeah. Cheeky Gabe, start this week. I will go with Rashad Bateman of the Ravens against the New York Jets. Uh, I think the Ravens are going to start the season with a bit of a weaker running game than they will probably have for the rest of this season because J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards both aren't 100% both still might not play. So they're going to win this game through the air. Uh, and speaking of, we've seen in previous years, Lamar Jackson comes out absolutely slinging it in week one. Yes, he in, does. In 2019, he went 17 for 20 for 324 yards and five touchdowns. The season after that in 2020, he went 20 of 25 for 275 yards and three touchdowns. I think Lamar comes out slinging it, and I think the beneficiary of that is Rashad Bateman. He's coming into his second year in the league as a breakout candidate, got another proper full-off season to build a rapport with Jackson. And I think that they're against a Jets team that do project to be a, a bit better. Pro Football Focus says their offensive line ranked in the top half. They, they drafted some nice offensive pieces uh, and they've got it's another year under head coach Robert Salah. I think this is going to be a more competitive game than the spread suggests. I mean, at the minute, Ravens are minus seven, but I think it's going to be more competitive and that's good news for Bateman and the Ravens passing game. Al? Well, I'm uh, I'm booking flight, lads. Uh, I'm off to Hollywood, going Hollywood. Marquise Hollywood Brown of the Arizona Cardinals. Sharples, you mentioned him before in terms of him and Kyler. He had 91 receptions last year. Should have been over 100 if he didn't have Lurpak hands. <laughs> um, you know, and I love Lamar Jackson. I think he is better than Kyler Murray. But what I will say is. 91 Kyler Murray receptions you'd assume are going to be more valuable for fantasy than 91 Lamar Jackson receptions. So I think he's going to have a great year, especially before Hopkins comes back. It's a great matchup against the Chiefs. I think it's going to be a shootout. Chiefs are going to score a lot of points. Brown and Kyler, you know, they know each other. There's a relationship there. You've got no Hopkins. Ertz is banged up. Rondell Moore is potentially out, but if he does play, he's going to be banged up too. So this is all Hollywood. He's lightning fast. Kyler loves to sling it. So, uh, yeah, start Hollywood Brown this week everywhere that you've got him. Yeah, it's Hollywood is lovely this time of year. Oh, it is. Um, Quarterbacks, okay. Sharples, who have you got? Okay, so I'm hoping this is slightly more left field than the Jonathan Taylor pick. I've gone for Baker Mayfield. Um, yeah, just a smidge, just a smidge more. I think it's it's the revenge game. Obviously, going back to Cleveland Browns, who've done him very dirty, in my opinion. Uh, I was watching a, a Baldy's breakdown on NFL. That's Brian Baldinger, not my dad. Uh, and when Baker swapped <laughs> Texas Tech for Oklahoma, he played them in three games and put up 66, 63, and 49 against them. So the man loves a revenge game. I want to point out, I did not back him full season. This is not a ringing endorsement of him. 
but this game will come out slinging. Miles Garrett's going to bring the heat for the Browns, but I think it'll be out of Baker's hands before he gets there. And I'm going out on a limb, and I'm saying Baker Mayfield at least three touchdowns for the game, although not necessarily the win. Yeah, I like that a lot. I think that's a sneakily, sneakily nice game for fantasy. Yeah. I'm going with Derek Carr of the Las Vegas Raiders mm. against <laughs> against the Chargers. Um, again, I'm all about the AFC West. This game has the potential to go off. It's got the third highest over-under of the week at 52 points. Um, it's one of those games that you just want pieces in because it projects to be an absolute shootout. Mm-hmm. We know that Justin Herbert can can launch it uh, and I think the Chargers are going to come out still a little bit bitter from that week 14 loss against the Raiders that dropped them out of the playoffs so they're going to want to stomp them in this game so the Raiders are going to have to keep up and luckily for them they just acquired one of the best wide receivers in the league in Devontae Adams who is pretty much best mates with Derek Carr some would say that some would say that no one in this podcast room though (laughs) Some would say that, yeah. Um, Devontae Adams and Derek Carr are basically best mates. So, you know, make no mistake, Carr's going to find his guy in this game. And I think Adams is talented enough to haul in the 15 to 20 targets that Carr sends his way in this game. Yeah. Combine that with the Raiders having a class wide receiver two in Hunter, Hunter Renfro and a really good tight end in Darren Waller. And they have a pretty unreal wide receiver core and receiving core in general that could keep up with the best of them so I think Carr I mean Carr's just going to keep up he's going to throw a lot of yards he's hopefully going to throw a lot of touchdowns and I think he's going to have a very very solid game against the Chargers this week very very yeah, solid season uh, too uh, solid I think I think you know I, I just don't see the ceiling with Carr the same as other quarterbacks but that's nice well that's because it's uh, convertible yeah (laughs) (laughs) Uh, my quarterbacks you you, Lou basically said it earlier on it's Lamar Jackson Uh, the Jets are going to be rubbish again Lou sorry don't kid yourself they're awful (laughs) the the defensive line is middle of the road Lamar's going to run all over them Uh, I'm banking on the Ravens to show off this new passing attack like you alluded to earlier Lou with Rashad Bateman at the forefront of it they have a lot to prove, and it isn't going to be the first time that Lamar comes out on opening weekend and torches an AFC East team. Uh, I will be starting Lamar Jackson. Tight ends, show apples, hit us with it. Yeah, I don't think there's too many standouts this week, um, so I wanted to go for someone who I think I'll, I'll give you a solid week. So I've gone for Terrence Joseph Hawkinson of the Detroit Lions. Um, he's playing a good defence in Philly. Uh, really good secondary which is headlined by Darius Slay but while they're really good at stopping long plays they can leave the short routes exposed which I think is where Hawkinson can do his business last year against Philly he managed 18.8 points he got that from 10 receptions 88 yards I'm not expecting him to repeat that but even if he has like 8 receptions for 40 that's 12 points that's a solid week for a tight end that you hopefully drafted around the 8 and if he manages to grab a touchdown too then I think you're well on your way to winning week 1 so Terence Joseph Hawkinson for me this week TJ for short. That's the one. I'm going to go with Pat Fryermuth of the Pittsburgh Steelers against the Cincinnati Bengals. He's probably going to be the number two target on the team this week because Deontay Johnson might not play. He's questionable with a shoulder injury. Still up in the air if he's going to play or not. And the Steelers are probably going to be playing from behind against a very good Bengals team. I know that last year's stats can be made redundant immediately in week one. 
you know, take that, take this with a grain of salt. But the Bengals' defense last year was one of the worst against fantasy tight ends, and they were bottom half against the pass in general. So if any of that spills over to this season, Frymuth should have a solid game, plenty of opportunities. He's he's a decent player. Again, another player who projects to maybe break out this year as a solid tight end one. Um, obviously, that depends on the quarterback of the Steelers, which you know coincidentally was just announced this week. Mick Trubisky. Oh yeah. Yeah, the old Nickelodeon, the Nickelodeon, <laughs> the Nickelodeon valuable player, Mitchell Trubisky, and I think he's probably the best option that they add. Um, so, I think that's good news for the pass catchers. So, I think Frymuth has a solid game. Oh. I'm going to go George Kittle, super juicy matchup. The Bears are really bad. Uh, it brings up an interesting point that at this point we don't really know a great deal about each team. We know who's roughly good or bad and what units are good or bad, like the secondary or the run game or the D-line. So for the most part, in these first in this first week, should I say, you're chasing high-scoring games, exceptional players or players in teams with something to prove or a tone to set or just teams that we know are downright bad. I'm targeting a team that is bad this week in the Burrs. I think Kittle goes off against them. Niners should easily win, even to the point where Trey Lance should be able to show some stuff. Kind of disappointed that I didn't get George Kittle in any of my teams this year. It was going quite high, but I actually do think he's going to have a nice year. Debo Samuel's role on the Niners is kind of really unique, and it's dead set. So in terms of a traditional first target for the quarterback, that's open, and I'm banking on Kittle over Ayuk to take that role. Lance has got a lot of pressure on him, but Kittle could be a safety blanket as a just unbelievably athletic tight end who can do it all. I think Kittle has a big year, and he starts it off with a big week one against an awful Burrs team. I think... You think the Bears are bad? They are. They're going to be the worst team in the league. Yeah, exactly. I don't think I don't think the Texans are going to be as bad as people think they are because they've got um, they've got Ladanian Tomlinson at running back. I don't know if you heard. Nothing. <laughs> Adrian Peterson at running back. No. MVP season. Adrian Peterson. I'm joking. They've got Damian Pierce. Fantastic. Um, all right. That was our players that you should start this week. Uh, let's just move on to a general week one preview. Uh, Sharples, before we get to some of the games that we're looking forward to, I believe you had a bit of an observation about the Saints this year. Enlighten us. So, I was doing my due diligence on Michael Thomas at the start of the season when I noticed something interesting in the Saints' schedule. They have to participate in what I'm calling the bird gauntlet, and that is they have to play each team with a bird mascot this season. So, week one, they've got the Falcons... Week 5, Seahawks, 7, Cardinals, 9, Ravens, 14, Falcons, again, and then 16, and the final one is at the Eagles. So, I'm in- implementing a segment that I'm calling Birdwatch, and for each of these weeks, we're going to take a slightly more in-depth look into, these, into this game, because no team has ever done the infamous bird gauntlet and beaten all these bird teams in one season. So, since it's the first episode, boys, I'm thinking we're going to look at the big picture here, what are your predictions for the Saints' overall record against these bird teams out of six? Well, uh, I think they probably beat... By the way, are we counting um, if they 
beat the Falcons once and lose against them once, but win the rest of the games? Are we still counting it as beating the gauntlet? Because technically oh, they yeah. will have beaten yeah. every bird team. Well, the rec- the record is each di- each individual team. So technically to me, if they lose one game to the Falcon but won the other, they would have beaten all the bird teams in the league. So I will still class it. If you don't want to call it a true win, I'll understand that. It's a gentleman's victory yeah. of, it's of a, the bird gauntlet. A gentleman's bird gauntlet. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say that the Falcons are the only team that they're going to beat, though. So what does that make it? Two and Two four. And four. Two wow. and four, okay. I'm a bit more optimistic. I think the Saints are going to be pretty good this year. I will put them at four and two. I think they're going to roll over the Falcons both games. I think they will beat the Seahawks and the Cardinals. Oh, yeah, the Seahawks. Well, you've said it now, I'm mate. still going so. to <laughs> I think the Falcons steal a game then. <laughs> okay. Um, um, as as the pioneer of Birdwatch, I'm going to be optimistic. I'm going to say they're going to go 6-0. It's going to be 50-0 in every game. Um, and they might actually make all these birds extinct. Ooh, excellent stuff Very by nice. the Saints. <laughs> Love that. Okay, so moving on to just the games this week that we're looking forward to. Um, I think... Yeah, Best game of the week's the first game, Thursday night game. On at 20 past one in the UK. Bills at the Rams. True. Going to be an unreal one. Maybe, you know, potential Super Bowl preview. Uh, But Al, what are you looking forward to? Uh, Packers and Vikings is my game of the week. Fantasy gold mine. The... I think Raiders, Chargers, Chiefs, Cardinals, and Bucks, Cowboys are also fantasy gold mine. You want players in those games. But yeah, Packers at Vikings is my game of the week. Yeah, Sharples, you after any games this week? Looking forward to watching any? Yeah, I mean, uh, I've I've split them up into four categories. I've got great, good, meh, and bad. Um, I've got quite a few in, in, in the great this week. I think Rams-Bills, obviously, is, is the premier one. I'm liking the look of Packers-Vikings. I think Cardinals-Chiefs will be an absolute shootout. I think the Cowboys-Bucks will be interesting because I think first game of the season, Cowboys will really turn it on. Um, and then I think Chargers Raiders, as we already discussed, is going to be another shootout. So I'm I'm looking forward to quite a lot of games this week. Give us one of the bad games on your list, Sharples. Uh, okay, well I've got I've got th- three actually that I'm that I've listed on the bad games, but I think we all know what the premier stink fest is going to be, and that will be the. Oh, yeah. Would anyone like to guess? The toilet bowl that is the Jaguars versus the Commanders, maybe. <laughs> yes, one hundred percent. But it's like the the, the 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 red zone games, the six pm red zone games. Most of them are not good games. Don't care about the Jaguars and the Commanders game. Patriots versus Dolphins will be the most boring game of the weekend. Forty Niners versus Bears. Bears are bad. Lions are bad. Who are playing the Eagles? You know, Texans are bad who are playing the Colts. Falcons are bad. So, all the good games are late for us, unfortunately. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, Buccaneers at Cowboys is a Sunday night game this week on at 20 past one, Monday morning over here. And the Broncos at the Seahawks. Revenge game for Russ. He's going to chef Russ. He's going to cook up some tasty treats on Monday night football at quarter past one in the morning, Tuesday for us over here. 
Uh, before we round it up, any hot takes? Alex, I think you had one up top. Oh, yeah. Give us it. I've Give got us a it. hot take for everyone. I'm going to laugh at everyone at the end of the season because Kirk Cousins is going to finish higher than Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers and Matt Stafford. Wow. 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 No, no. You've, so, <laughs> you've, oh, you've oversold that so you've, much. This is, I don't know what's, I don't know what's worth Shackles' <laughs> cold take with starting Jonathan Taylor this week or your hot take of Kirk Cousins being Look, a Borderline top five fantasy quarterback. Look, look, I'm I'm high on Kirk Cousins this year. I have him in all all one of my league. <laughs> I have him. I have him in one team, and to make myself feel better about having him on that one team, I've come full circle on him, and I think he's going to throw forty five touchdowns. Forty five. Okay. Um, if there was you know ever an example of how we are not experts on this podcast, <laughs> nice one for making that. Yeah. Um. Super Bowl picks, who do you think it's going to be? I think it's a very boring pick, and I think it's also the opening game of the season. I think it's going to be the Bills versus the Rams. Okay, great. Boring. Boring. Uh, cold take by Sharps again, but he's the man of cold takes. Yeah, we'll establish that one. <laughs> Listen, someone has to, to ground the gonna... show in reality. Um, <laughs> hotter take on one side. Uh, for two reasons, I am... Saying the Bills beat the Eagles in the Super Bowl, I think the AFC is just too good and the NFC is just too bad, basically. And despite all the great teams in the AFC, the Bills finally make it over the hump. And I think the Eagles surprise everyone and capitalise on a pretty weak NFC comparatively to the AFC. Okay, great. I I had three options here because there was a few in my head. Um, I've got a cold take, a room temperature take, and a hot take. Just which, which one do you want to hear? Oh, can I just say, by the way, but but really the Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl. I agree with that. The Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl this year. Um, we'll have the room temp take. Just the, give us a... Uh, no, the cool take first. Give us a bit of Sharples. <laughs> Rams, Bills, cold take. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> cold take. Because, yeah, I mean, it's probably going to be that. Room temperature take. Buccaneers versus Chargers. Both solid teams. Both, you know, on the precipice last year. And my hot take, spicy hot take. The Super Bowl this year will be the Vikings against the Colts. That's not hot at all, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Not to you, Considering that the MVP will be playing for the Vikings. Okay, right. I think that rounds us out this week, lads. Sweet. Um, Anyone who listened, thanks for listening. Thank you very much. If you enjoyed it, uh, tell your mates about it listen up next week we're going to be doing this every week every Thursday and uh, yeah any closing thoughts Sharples um, no nothing other than you know sometimes people laugh at you for what they call cold takes but you're the one laughing when it comes true <laughs> <laughs> okay great Alex anything sign yeah, off I'll say don't don't tilt too hard this week don't try to trade let's say a Keenan Allen for a Michael Gallup uh, I know someone who did that in the past yes you know him very very well um, don't don't try to trade your best players use this week one to monitor some players like Damien Pierce some wide receiver rooms like the Green Bay one the Giants one some running back rooms to see who is the number one guy just monitor all these situations try not to tilt too hard it's only week one if you lose really badly don't worry about it just come and listen next week and uh, start cut cousins. But if you lose really, really badly, then worry. Quit, probably quit. Quit, probably Straight quit away. after the first week. Thanks very much for listening. See you next week. See you.